you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Lauren Fogelman. She's at businesssuccesssolution.com. We're going to get into pricing. We're going to get into value. Uh, we're going to get into rates and mindset around that. But first, Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Chris. I am excited about what we're going to dig into today. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. So let's start with just the deep question of what is value? Like if I'm, if I'm an expert in something or I'm, I'm an agency providing services, how do I even think about what value is? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think the first thing is to recognize that value is subjective. Chris, what you care about and what's important to you and a priority to you is going to be different from me as well as the people that are joining us today. And a way to be able to look at that is vehicles on the road. If you are looking at the vehicles on the road, there's going to be some people that have the uh, economy vehicles like a Geo Metro or they care about is getting safely from their home to that meeting. And then the majority of vehicles might be that midsize range, possibly a Volvo where that driver is concerned about safety, not only for themselves, but their family. And then there's going to be the luxury vehicles like the Teslas, which are a status, you recognize it as soon as it drives by. And that person is looking for a certain type of driving experience and might also care about the environment. And to recognize that you actually have those three types of clients coming to you, interested in your services also is the people who might be looking for something more basic, they might be price sensitive. Most of your clients ought to be in that mid-range and then you're gonna have some premium clients as well. Therefore, you wanna understand value from their perspective, depending on which category there is, they're in as opposed to looking at it from your perspective. I love that. And so we don't actually, as a consultant or, or coach, we don't have to pick like the premium only or the middle option or the bottom. It's better to have a spread, right? Uh, absolutely better to have a spread and also to give your clients options of how they want to work with you as opposed to just one option of if they work with you or if they're going to move on to another alternative. Well, we can't talk about pricing without getting into packaging. So let's unpack that more. How do we, if we have like kind of a three phase, a good, better, best, or beginner, mm -hmm. intermediate, advanced, how do we think about those packages in terms of what's inside and um, how clients can kind of easily pick the right one for them? First, I would like to actually define packages because it might not okay. be familiar to everybody that's joining us today. I see packages as being results-based. So when you bundle certain tasks or activities or other things together, then those things will deliver a certain result that your client highly values. And to recognize that you want to be able to offer three packages instead of one, four, five, Three is what they call the sweet spot or the charm number for most people. And therefore, consider looking at having what I call a silver, gold, and diamond package. 
The silver is going to be the bare minimums for the clients that need just the essentials or maybe they're price sensitive or they can't afford something higher level yet. They want to work with you. And then everything from the silver goes into the gold, but the gold has others and it meets the needs of the majority of your clients. Similar to the fact that there's primarily those mid-sized cars on the highway as opposed to premium or the budget cars. And then the third tier is your diamond package, which is going to have all the things from the silver and the gold, but it's going to have more. Maybe this is done for you services. Maybe this is more access to you. Maybe they get a quicker response. But these are the people that they always fly first class no matter where they go. And you want to be able to understand that for them, they care probably more about time and speed than about the cost. And that because of that, they're looking for a different type of experience working with you. So once again, you want to have three different options of packages, the silver, the gold, and the diamond, recognizing that most of your clients ought to be in the gold, but every now and then somebody is going to surprise you and want that diamond premium package where if you never gave them that choice, they never would have up-leveled and uh, they wouldn't have been as high value of a client. You would have been leaving money on the table. Wow. I've never heard it explained so well. What about the um, like the actual price points? How do we find, uh, I know you have a background in like the accounting market or, or kind of business markets or what, like, how do we even think about how many, how many numbers like should be there? Where, where to kind of position our pricing? How do we, how do we figure out those, those points? You, you want to challenge your comfort zone. Good. And there's many different ways to price. The majority of people will probably price on an hourly rate. They're going to calculate the time by the hourly rate and then come up with pack prices for their packages. Uh, some of them will do a fixed fee, which is typically your hourly rate, as well as your uh, course. And maybe you're going to build in some profit for that. I want to just let you know that Either one of those leaves money on the table. That's because once again, you're pricing from what's important to you, what you value, which is your time and cost, as opposed to looking at it from the client's point of view and what they value. I will let you know that if you make the jump to what is called value pricing, you could probably earn two to three times more for the same exact work, but that's because you're looking at things from your client's perspective instead of just focusing on your time and course when thinking about pricing those services. Let's say we have a pricing box, three boxes area on our website, and we have an opportunity to put one message or headline above the pricing table. Like what's the kind of structure to position uh, the offer from a value-based pricing standpoint? Like how do we, uh, like what kind of, what would, the, what would the words say? Let's say you were, I know you have a lot of experience in accounting. What would an accountant say above the pricing table to really prepare the viewer to be best in line to see the value? Well, I, I think, Chris, what's coming up for me is that there's a difference when you look at this for courses or SaaS products or looking at really more of a service-based entrepreneur. Courses and SaaS products absolutely list your prices there. 
I don't okay. think that you ought to be listing your prices when you're doing some type of service for a client because the fact that it's a higher price point and they don't really fully see the value of working with you yet. Therefore, I would rather them get on your calendar than just make a decision based on price. So that's the first thing. But I think the other thing is understanding what is it that's important to those clients in those three different categories. I'm going to just go ahead and stick with accounting professionals because that's what I do. So maybe the ba the basic package is going to be uh, pay your taxes on time. Never be late again with taxes. And, and, and those people just want the basics with the financials so that they can go ahead and file on time and not have to worry about having uh, late fees or having to do an extension. The second one is going to be uh, grow your business with uh, insights, you know, financial insights to make the best decisions possible. And, and, and so those people might be growth minded. They might be looking to know if they can expand or add another person to their team or if they're even pricing their services right. And, and so they want that insights. And the last one would be um, possibly let us be your CFO. And those want a chief financial officer to be able to help them really grow their business. They're going to be in a fast growth mode. They understand the value of having someone give them insights as far as their pricing goes, as far as where they might be living, leaving money on the table in order to improve their profit margins. So those are some of the things to think about as far as how to tag what your three different levels would be. I love that. And, um, you know, there's this, there's this thing of, you know, the concept of having like a fractional CFO or a fractional, some other kind of executive role. Like you can create a service where you don't always like, uh, somebody doesn't always need to hire somebody full time to do great, amazing work. So I love that you said that, like, it's like a C level role in your company and it's expensive, but you, it's not like a full-time commitment. So you can create value there, right? I'm going to say it is an investment. It is not an expense. Okay. It is an investment because yeah. if someone's going to be paying you, let me give you the essence of value pricing is that the client that hires you and want to pay two to three times more than they would maybe somebody else doing something similar, they need to believe that what they gain from working with you is greater than the fees that they're paying you. That is the essence of value pricing. They need to believe that what they gain from working with you is greater than the fees that they're paying you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and you're just kind of disconnecting from time. It's all about the value, the ROI, right? Well, that's another really interesting point is that people actually value speed. Yeah. People will pay three to four times more to FedEx something overnight than to go to FedEx ground. And it's probably five or six times more than if they went with the postal service. Uh, the other th thing is that people pay for Amazon Prime because they want it delivered overnight tomorrow. And that just shows you that speed has value to people when you position it better in a, in a way that uh, makes it an advantage to them. They don't want a long drawn out process. They want to get this problem solved that they're hiring you for as quickly as possible. 
I love that. I heard uh, recently from a friend, people pay for speed, certainty, and insight. So speed, also that it's certainly certainty that it's going to be done right and correctly. And insight that like kind of like, so I can figure out what's going on here. I'm sure you could think of an example of that. And those things are all, uh, um, it's, they're, they're all just super valuable to the right person who wants to move fast, can afford it, uh, mm-hmm. wants to achieve the outcome with a higher degree of certainty. Um, I love that. Um, let's, let's go into the app. Well, I don't know if you would call it an application funnel, but a, uh, you know, getting on the calendar, uh, what, what would you, how would you choreograph the sales process there? Um, in terms of like qualifying the lead, like making sure you're getting on the phone with qualified leads and maybe it's different for a beginner versus somebody who's advanced and really busy. Um, and then what's, how do you kind of go through the steps of finding the right package for the person without perhaps being too direct or, or, you know, like sometimes when you get on a call and immediately the first question is what's your budget, that's like a little too soon sometimes. So like what, uh, what, what advice do you have on the, the, the choreography of that process? Uh, okay. Uh, so there's like three or four questions in there and I want to make sure that I give yeah. everything <laughs> okay. as far as that goes. So if I'm missing something, Chris, please partner with me and make sure that I answer those questions too. Uh, the, the very first thing is that you talked about whether it ought to be different for someone maybe first starting out versus someone more advanced. I want to say build your practice from where you want to be instead of where you are now. Okay. Therefore, go ahead and start to pre-qualify people that you're speaking with because your time is important. And I want to really make sure that you're creating that boundary right off the bat That way you avoid ending up with clients that tend to be low value or someone that really just wanted to pick your brain and they were never interested in investing in your services. So using using accounting as an example, what are some like qualifying questions like that aren't as direct as like, what's your budget or whatever? Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm going to just say, if you want to know qualifying questions, you can go to my website. It's at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash let's talk, all one word, solution.com forward slash let's talk. Go ahead and you can model my questions. Nice, <laughs> nice. So, so, so I'll just give you the shortcut right there. You might need yeah. to adapt one or two, but most of them work for service-based entrepreneurs. And you want to know why they're reaching out to you, what their challenges are, what they would like to achieve, and if they are interested in investing in that solution. So that is pretty much the four questions that I think would be helpful in knowing what it is. Oh, the other thing that I have on mine is what was last year's income and what would they like their income to be for next year? So I do ask about the money part. Yeah, that's Uh, cool. And that's direct. In accounting, you need to know that. So, I mean, there's more direct money conversations. And um, I've also heard of people uh, doing things like team size and... Um, mm-hmm. there's other, there's other ways to kind of triangulate what you're trying to find out too. So, yes. Uh, and, and it depends on when you're first starting out, you're probably going to work with a wide range of clients. Whereas as you move forward and you grow, you might become more aware of what makes someone a high value client, as opposed to a low value client. And the questions that you have for pre-qualifying will help you to be able to understand that. 
So I think that the main thing I just want to say to that, Chris, is take away your calendar link where anybody has free access to your calendar. Have them go ahead and fill out those four questions because the ones that do not want to answer, answer yes, I'm willing to invest in my services, or maybe the ones that say no, they'll never fill it out. And it saves you that headache of having someone who just wants to get a lot of free information without having to pay for it. That's awesome. That's some sage advice there. Um, what about recurring revenue or you know, increasing the lifetime value of the customer or like kind of how, how do you position the package and the pricing so that, I mean, accounting lends itself definitely to an annual thing, but you also mentioned like ongoing CFO stuff. How does one kind of position the pricing without overcomplicating it for recurring revenue or increased lifetime value over time? Mm -hmm. I, I, th I agree with uh, looking at the lifetime value of a client. It's not something that everybody does. What happens with so many service-based entrepreneurs is that they bring someone on at one rate, their rates go up over time, but they leave that legacy client, that original client at their old prices. And as a result of that, what started out maybe as a high value client becomes a low value client because your prices have changed, but your legacy clients are at their old prices. What I wanna look at is being able to recognize that packages are not open-ended from now until eternity. I want you to, once again, have boundaries. And the more that you have these boundaries in place, the more that you're protecting you and your time, and you no longer feel like a slave to your business. So what you want to do when you have packages is make them for a set amount of time. You can make them for three months. You can make them for six months. You can make them for a year. I wouldn't make them more than a year. I, and, and I personally have 12-month packages. So people engage with me for a year because it just takes that long to make the changes to be able to increase your profits and also free up your time. And I want to make sure that the results we get stick over the long run. So think about how long do you need to work with someone for them to get the results that they hired you for? Is it three months, six months, nine, uh, a year? And then have that be a finite package. And then you revisit it uh, before the package is over to look at what it would be like moving forward uh, and re-upping into the next package. That way you're never stuck having a client at your old rates and everybody else is at new rates. Everybody now will be on the same page. Can you give us a possible like just kind of dialogue of how to communicate that price change, even if it's like the kind of the same practice? more or less the same package for another year, but the price has changed. How do you recommend communicating that? Mm -hmm. Well, this isn't going to be a pitch because I don't think that anybody ought to be pitching their services or selling their services because of the fact that I know as a customer, I don't want to be sold to. And as a service provider, I don't want to sell to people. So we're on you know, both sides of the table. Nobody wants to be pitched or do a pitch. Uh, therefore, I look at what's called having a value conversation, whether this is with someone new potentially looking to work with you or a current client that you're looking to re-enroll into another package. What you want to do is have a conversation that focuses on what's important to them and what they value as opposed to what's important to you. You want to find out what it is that they want to achieve over the next 12 months 
where things are currently, what are some of the things that are preventing them from possibly reaching that goal, and what are some of the frustrations coming up. Then you want to let them know how you might be able to achieve that possibly faster uh, with better uh, results than they expected or with less frustration. So once again, this is what I call a value conversation and really looking at things from their perspective, what is important to them, what they want to achieve, where things are now, what the gap is and how you can help them to do that. And then also having them understand that you have the solution. So I call this connecting the dots where you want any conversation to be understanding what's important to them. So you're looking at their point of view you're educating them. So you're not pitching them, you are educating them about how you could assist them with achieving that solution and possibly giving them the peace of mind that you can do this together. And then by doing those two things, connecting the dots between their problem and your solution, they see the value of moving forward and working with you. That's awesome. I love that. And we we often don't even think about it. For example, when we get a new smartphone and it's more expensive than it was the last time we got one. It's just the, the new version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, it's not a pitch really. It's just, Hey, this is the price going forward. Exactly. Um, any thoughts on add-ons? Like if some, somebody wants something, it's outside the scope, but maybe you have like an add-on service you can bolt on, or there's like an additional, like that's like in construction, you know, they call it a change order or, out of scope kind of thing. And then also related to that, how do we protect ourselves as consultants from getting too far away from our core offer and going to custom or something like that? Uh, I, I think that custom might actually be attractive to some of the service providers that are joining us today. And I want to acknowledge that because they like the variety or it lets them go ahead and Uh, expand what it is that they offer as well as their insights. But what happens that makes you more efficient and more profitable in your uh, business is when you have things as productized as possible. You do the same essential deliverables for each package, but even with accounting professionals, every single one of their clients needs something a little bit unique to that particular client. What you want to do then with your silver, gold, and diamond packages is have templates. You have core services that are in each one of those, and you're able to go ahead then and come up with that price for each of those different packages based on that template, and then you can adjust it accordingly. If somebody needs something a little bit different, you can go ahead and adjust the particular packages to accommodate that client's needs and make sure that you adjust the pricing as well. So this way, instead of coming up with a brand new set of packages for every single client that you're meeting with, you're gonna be more efficient because you have a template of packages and then you just need to make certain adjustments. The other thing that I would say to avoid scope creep and scope creep is a client asking for something else that's not in a package is make sure you have a work agreement that really spells out what it is that you are doing for them and also addresses how your policy or processes when maybe the package needs to change for them. So I would go ahead and educate them upfront about 
This is what I'm offering. Have it all listed out so everybody's on the same page. That means that you're being great with communication and also teach them if something goes, if they need something in additional, it's something that you will review and it will probably adjust the pricing for the package. That's awesome. Um, any other kind of productized, productizing a service wisdom you'd like to share? Just because I know sometimes it's hard. I see a lot of smart people consulting and um, they, 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 sometimes they just kind of get in this, like, I'm just constantly inventing the new. Any other advice on how to really lock in those packages and like kind of create the architecture? Yeah, I, I, I want to first say, Chris, is so many business owners, entrepreneurs are creatives. They, they love the strategy. So they're always <laughs> creating something new. And by doing that, you never quite figure out your lane because you're always adding something in or you're making an adjustment. And that was true for me also in the beginning. When I first started out, I was working with a wide range of service-based entrepreneurs because I didn't know who was going to be a best fit for me. I was focusing on a lot of different things as to what I offered because I didn't know what my specialty was. I want to say that eventually you're going to be more profitable and able to charge higher rates if you know your niche and or your specialty. A niche is who you work with and who you get the best results with. It could be an industry or it could be a particular type of person that you just have a great chemistry with. And the specialty is what you do for them, the problem that you solve. Some people have just one or the other, and some people have both. I happen to have both. My niche is accounting professionals, and my specialty is helping them double their income working half the time. Because of that, I've been able to come up with my system. And I just want to go ahead and share that my system is called the raise your rates formula. So what I do with almost every single client and what I talk about all the time, and I'm a deep matter expert on is how to be able to price your services and raise your rates without feeling like a slave to your business. And the five steps is knowing who your high value client is. Step number two is being able to communicate your value. Step number three is packaging your services. Step number four is value pricing, which is what we've been going into today. And step number five is consultation mastery. So you never have to sell your services. You can have what I call a value conversation with clients. So that's something that's possible for your business. And by doing that, I've been able to go deeply into something. So even though I'm a creative and I love being able to challenge my limits, I can go deep into something and I am never bored because I always find different nuances or ways to approach something that really gets better results. And I find it deeply rewarding because it is going to consistently challenge my limits too. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned niching and you mentioned, I love that distinction between niching and specialty, by the way, mm -hmm. I hadn't heard it put that way. That's, that's really cool. What about like, as an example, I know a lot of people, sometimes they have a hard time choosing their niche and maybe they have like several options to kind of choose from that are around them and they don't know how to choose. What are some things that make um, the accountants a good niche as an example, or what kind of characteristics did you look for in a niche market? Mm -hmm. um, that, that can help people make that commitment or decision? Well, I want to say that it was more of a process of knowing who I didn't want to work with. Mm 
mm-hmm. than knowing who I did want to work with in the beginning. In the beginning, I worked with a wide range of service-based entrepreneurs. And then I would say, so I've been doing this since 2009. So it's been an evolution. I, I would say maybe about four or five years into it, I realized that most of my clients were either creatives that were in the marketing space in some way, or they were in the accounting space in some way. So I had two. And I actually loved both because they gave me more variety. Creatives are tons of fun to work with because they love to strategize. They are full of ideas. And then accounting professionals are more likely to follow through. And they just want you to tell them how to do it. I, I, I really enjoyed the variety. And I went back and forth with both for probably another four or five years. So this was not an overnight process. What I realized for me is I wasn't being effective trying to attract two different types of industries that were very different. I really wanted to find the one that I could just hone in on. And five years of going back and forth between the two, I decided to choose the accounting professionals because it was a better match for me personality-wise. And also strategically, I saw a better fit with what I was doing as far as the pricing piece. And they were more comfortable dealing with financials and money than creatives were. So that was part of why I moved in that direction uh, was because I found I was getting better results with them. Do you have any advice around referrals, getting referrals or like lead generation uh, once you're kind of in your niche and moving? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, what, what can you advise there? It, I, I, I believe that referrals are definitely an important part, but there's many ways to do it, uh, depending on whether you're more extroverted or introverted. I actually tend to be more of an introvert than an extrovert. Therefore, what works for someone who's more outgoing is going to be different than for me. However, what I did is for many years, I was involved in my local chambers. I was involved in a networking group, specifically BNI, Business Networking International. I was also starting to do more speaking over time. And from being getting out there, not, not hiding behind my computer and remaining a best kept secret, but being out there, I was able to meet people and over time, I found people where I could add value to them and they could add value to me. We worked with a similar type of client and we were able to cross refer because we weren't being competitive, we were being collaborative. So a lot of referrals from me come from people who work with the same clients as I do and were able to add value. And a lot of the value that I add comes from speaking. I love to have conversations like we're having right now, Chris. And I have a couple different firms or businesses where I come in regularly and speak to their uh, clients uh, or to their followers. And by doing that, I'm able to give generously. And the people who know that they're a good fit for what I, what, for what I do, the problem that I solve, they take those next steps. So that's one way of realizing that you have referrals is being able to find a way to give to someone else's audience. And from that, you get leads. Uh, The other way to look at is how can we refer back to each other because we both solve a problem that our clients um, need and that you have referral partners. So a lot of referral partners in the accounting space 
would be accountants or CPAs and bookkeepers or tax advisors and bookkeepers. And, and, and so they both work uh, together for helping the clients with their financials. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned a lot about value pricing, but in terms of uh, you know, really helping people make more in less time. What what is the what are some other secrets or, or methods or techniques you have there to that businesses are often or consultants are sitting on that they may be able to tweak to to cause that to happen? Well, I, I think that what I would like to do is actually give an idea as to how if if value pricing is something that interest someone and they're confused about how to get started. Do, do you mind if I share a way for them to get started with that? That, that, that might be actually more helpful. Yeah. So I believe that going from either fixed fees or an alley rate to value pricing is messy. It challenges your limits. And let's just agree on that. Uh, so the way that I do it is called good, better, and best pricing. You mentioned that a little bit before. And this is similar to learning to ride a bicycle. And when you first are learning to ride a bicycle, you have training wheels until you get your balance and you feel a little bit more confident and then you can take off the training wheels. So I'd like to explain how I teach good, better and best because this is a way to move towards value pricing. You have clients that are looking to come to you and work with you. And what you wanna do is with the clients coming to work with you, figure out what you would charge for a monthly rate. Go ahead and come up with that fixed fee that you would normally give them. Usually it's your hourly rate by how much time you think it's going to take. And we want your client, we want these clients now to have your new good rates. So what you're going to do is take that fixed fee that you would normally charge them and multiply it by 1.5. That's going to be your new good rate. After you enroll three people at your new good rate, we're going to move up to the next tier, which will be your better rate. So once again, you're going to have people coming to you. You're going to calculate how much a monthly fee is going to be for them. And now you're going to go ahead and multiply it by 2x. This is going to take a little bit of courage. It's going to challenge your limits because you're now actually earning two times more for the same exact amount of work. No more time, no more deliverables. It's just that you're getting more confident with how to have that value conversation with potential clients. And you're realizing that clients aren't as price sensitive as you thought that they were. So you now go ahead and roll three people at your new better rates. And then we're going to go to the top tier, which will be your best rates. Because you have more confidence, you're getting better at the enrolling conversation. You're going to have these new people coming to you. You're going to come up with what that initial fixed fee would be. And now we're multiplying by 3x. You're going to be offering these new potential clients services at three times your original rates. And go ahead and you will start to enroll them also. You're realizing that these clients that are enrolling with you at your new best rates are actually a more enjoyable client to work with. They value you, they follow through, they really respect what you do and they don't treat you like an employee or take your services for granted. And as a result of this, you have better cash flow, you're more profitable with your services and it allows you to either take, um, take some of the money that you're making and reinvest in your business well, now you don't need as many clients. And so it frees up some of your personal time that you can now get back. 
You don't feel like a slave to your business any longer. So that's how you do the good, better, best pricing is in the beginning, you have your flat fee, you multiply it by 1.5 for your new good rate, enroll three people, we move up to the next tier. Those you multiply by 2x and the best rates is 3x. And it makes a difference. It is possible and it changes your entire business model because of the fact that you moved to this new way towards value pricing. That's great. And I really appreciate you sharing that very valuable framework. That's awesome. Um, I've seen it come up. It's come up for me and in, in, as a software guy in terms of psychology and price, price increases and things like that. Um, and you mentioned at the beginning of, of what you were just saying that it's like there's some mental movement that has to happen. But what's behind the psychology of where people kind of freeze or have doubt with prices? What's what's kind of going on there? Because I think it helps people to understand maybe some of the emotions under the surface or why, why uh, sometimes this feels so much harder than it should be to especially increase our prices, especially by if we do it by a lot. I, I believe that pricing, no matter what size your business is, whether you are a single solopreneur or whether you are top of the Fortune 500, pricing is one of the most challenging things for any business to do. And, and, and so let's just get on the same page. It, it is still something that, you know, I think about also. I don't always just go ahead and, oh, I should raise my prices and then tomorrow I have my new rates. It, it's something that I also have to work through and continue to challenge my limits on. But a lot of times what happens is that we have these thoughts of, I can't afford to lose clients. They can't afford my new rates. How can I expect someone else to pay those rates when I couldn't even, wouldn't even pay those rates myself? My clients will leave me. What if someone doesn't sign on? And a lot of these are based on fear. I will let you know that that is because we've, most of us came from the workforce where we were first an employee for somebody else. And when you start out working for somebody else, your income is always based on time. Either you're getting an hourly rate or you're getting a salary, which is still connected to time somehow. So when we go into a business and there's so much that needs to be done, we just go with the simplest model that we've always seen and know ourselves, which is charging an hourly rate. It is the most efficient because all you have to do is calculate your time by your hourly rate, and then you know how to price your services. But I will also say that even though it's the easiest, it's not the most effective, which means that, yes, it's the easiest, you know what the, the rates ought to be, but you're leaving so much money on the table, probably two to three times more than what you could be charging if you want with the value-based pricing. So it's the fears of things coming up of who am I? I don't have enough time in the business. I don't have credentials. My mentor doesn't even charge those prices. How could I do that? So they're all scarcity and fear-based that hold you back and keep you in your comfort zone. But that's why I handhold my clients through this process, because when I handhold them through it and we work through those things and we figure out what the new rates ought to be and how to be able to have that conversation with the clients, then they actually start to get results and they're seeing results pretty quickly. It's not a long, painful, drawn out process. They can see changes as soon as like within a week or two, or maybe within 90 days. So it's really quick. It's 
and it changes everything for them um, as far as their quality of life because they get their life back. Um, as working with a higher value client, they don't need to tolerate those headache clients that they wish would go away. Everything changes about their business model. Wow, that's awesome. That's Lauren Fogelman from BusinessSuccessSolution.com. Any final words for the people and where can they go to find out more about you? Well, before I was sharing about how to move away from an hourly rate into the value pricing with the good, better, best, I actually have a free handout that gives you the steps to do that and start packaging your services. If that interests you, go to businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash value, and you can get immediately the different steps to be able to start to package and value price your services. Once again, it's businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash value, and you can get started today. Lauren, thanks so much for coming on the show. You added an incredible amount of value here in less than an hour. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. And I am cheering for each and every one of you to really go ahead and make this change. It'll make a difference for you as well as for your clients. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.